This is the Punk Show Podcast. Hello? This is Ray. Ray, it's Jason Lamb calling from Victoria, B.C. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm doing great. Hey, thanks for taking the time to chat with me, man. Okay. Well, let me just quickly preface this by saying Dead Kennedys, a uh, very important band in my life. Um, I, I'm, I'm 48 years old. I started getting into punk uh, when I was about 14. So we're talking about like 1985. Uh, and the first actual punk record that I ever bought was uh, In God We Trust Incorporated. And, uh, oh, wow. okay. So this is a real treat for me to actually speak with you on the phone. And, uh, and so thank you again. But uh, let's just get into it. I want to maybe just start by uh, asking you about this release that's coming out. Um, there was kind of a almost a mysterious post of DK40. Um, I gather it's, it's like a live set or something? Yeah, it's a VCD set of um, three live shows. Let's see, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, one is uh, the Paradiso in Amsterdam. Second one is Alabama Hall in Munich, and the third one is the Farm in San Francisco. So it's uh, three separate CDs with um, complete shows on them. Wow, are these all um, pre Peligro? No, Peligro plays on all of these. Oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah, Peligro joined in '81, I believe. Okay, he's on. He's on, he's on. In God We Trust, your first record. Yes, no, I'm yeah for sure. Um, and pardon me for maybe not knowing the exact timeline, because I know that he came in after you had Ted on drums, but that was really just the early, the very, very early days, yeah? Right, and mm. Ted plays on Fresh Fruit. Right, which is such but, a great uh, record. After that, it's DH. And yeah, these are, um, these are from, well, two of them are from 1982, and one was from 1985. Oh, okay. And then tell me about 6025. Is that how you even say the name? I don't know. I've just ever, always ever just seen it written down. Oh, 6025. 6025. Yeah, um, yeah, he was a, a guitar player and, and songwriter. Uh, just He was just with us for about eight months. The only thing he really recorded with us is the Live at the Deaf Club record right. that came out a couple of years ago. Okay. Do you keep in touch with those guys at all, with Ted or 6025? Yeah, actually. Uh, Ted lives in San Francisco, and he was actually uh, wandered into... Uh, a friend of mine does this kind of fun uh, sit-in bar band thing um, uh, in North Beach in San Francisco, and Ted was playing drums. Oh, wow. So I went up and talked, and they dragged me on stage to play Holiday in Cambodia. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, 6025 uh, lives up in Santa Rosa, and as you know, they had that big, big fire there, um, like it's last fall, mm-hmm. and he lost his house and all his musical instruments and all his music. Oh man! And I've I've been trying to actually it reminds me I've been trying. Uh, he had a, I had him set up a GoFundMe page, and we've we've only uh, we posted it on the Dead Kennedy Facebook page. But I, we should on the internet you got to post things at least three times before <laughs> people see them. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. If yeah, three minimum. Um, mm-hmm. So. Show-wise, uh, it seems to me that uh, you, that Kennedys are sort of, uh, correct me here if I'm wrong, but you're sort of doing shows here and there. You're, you're, you're doing a festival appearance here and the show there. You're not really, uh, haven't really done a full tour for a little while. Uh, no, we, we do full tour. I mean, we tour for about two weeks. Uh, we did, um, last year we did like Greece, Athens, and Bucharest, uh-huh. and Sofia, Toulouse, France, and... So we do tour. We tour for about two weeks. We're not twenty years old anymore, you know. <laughs> Fair enough. And then we also did a 
about a three-week tour in Australia, New Zealand. That was just great. We basically sold out every show. It was amazing. How was that Music Festival? I saw quite a bit about that floating around on the internet. It looked like a pretty pretty cool uh, event. Oh, that was good. I think that was about 5,000 people. And, um, you know, a lot of bands from California knew so the... So, you know, got to meet, uh, well, not meet, re-meet, uh, you know, leaving from Fear and mm-hmm. uh, the people from the Vandals. And, yeah, it was kind of cool. It was very, very relaxed. At least, you know, backstage was a fun, relaxed scene. You get any tattoos? Uh, I'm not a tattoo person. <laughs> I didn't think so. I have, I, I have scars in my brain and soul. <laughs> inside. Um. I don't know if you remember, you've played, well, I think you played, the, 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 the early Dead Kennedys played Victoria, I think, at least once, but then you guys came here about six or seven years ago, uh, and I don't know if you remember playing in Victoria, and Skip, I think, was having a little issue, got a little delayed at the border, and you had Willie Jack uh, from our local band, the Diglo Abortions, uh, fill in for vocals <laughs> on, with you. Remember that? Yeah, oh, I sure do remember that. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great night. Yes, but I, yes, I have to, I have to give much props and compliments to Willie Jack for, you know, stepping in and doing that. That was, that, it was, you know, in a way it was fun. I mean, of course, you know, we were nervous, like, because we didn't really rehearse with them, shall we say. Yeah, you know? yeah. But we, uh, you know, we just, we, we, we limped through and came out uh, stronger on the other side, I think. Yeah, he was great. He was great. Those. Yeah, I mean, it certainly certainly felt very last minute. I mean, I think you you even had like the you know, lyrics printed out in front of him and stuff. But I thought he pulled it off well, and it actually it gave the show a really nice local edge to it. You know what I mean? It made it kind of special in my mind. It was definitely a special show, and like I say, it, you know, it came off. Usually, it came off great. Yeah, you're right. It's a unique, a unique special event. Were you involved in the release of that? Uh, the Iguana Studio rehearsal tapes record that just came out recently? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, basically, we're celebrating our 40th year of Dead Kennedys music. So the um, suggested that, you know, we find stuff to put out. So I was going through cassettes and and um, digital files that people had sent me, fans had sent me over the years and such. And, um, you know, that one came out. That one took a lot of work in the studio because it was off a cassette and very hissy, but mm. kind of got it up. And then there was about, um, there's even more rehearsal tapes too, but they, they're actually still in cassette form, so yet to be transferred. Um, kind of doing the Bob Dylan thing of kind of, you know, releasing all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And then there was about 30 or 40 live shows, but most of the live shows were just like, you know, somebody's mic in the audience or off the, uh, off the PA board. <laughs> which you know was just basically voice and 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 snare drum so right it wasn't the full music and and these these three came out uh the plane was really good i thought on, on all three of these shows and the, and the recording was really good because they're uh i think uh they're radio broadcasts so they're mixed really well i mean, i actually remember the one in munich at alabama hall like we did a sound check and they made a little tape, a sound check, and then I went up into the sound booth, and they played the tape back, and then you know helped them readjust the uh, readjust the mix. Right. So, then, so you can hear all the. You know, it's not perfect, but you can hear most of the parts. You know, well, I think uh, you know one of the guitars could be louder. No. <laughs> <laughs> Always. On the farm, on the farm, the guitar is a little weak, but it, you can still hear it. <laughs> well, you're the kind of band that has such a passionate fan base that uh, you can, you know, we. we 
whenever you find stuff like that and 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 put it out, there there will be an appetite for it. You know what I mean? It's just it's always fun to discover new recordings and and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's not going to be released till April, but if somebody, I did an interview yesterday where somebody listened to it and they they were amazed at how good it was. So great. So that was, I was kind of like, oh, okay. I didn't even. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, the <laughs> Mutiny on the Bay live record is is great. I mean, that's that's one of the better live punk albums that I've heard and, and it's sometimes hard to kind of capture punk rock music live in my opinion yeah right I mean yeah the the Mutiny on the Bay is like kind of the best takes from different shows mm. of our you know of some of our big songs and, and these are you know complete shows warts and all <laughs> some really good parts and some other parts that are you know but mostly good 99.9% good um I'm not a musician myself, Ray, just a music fan and, and a radio guy, um, so I, I can't talk shop about guitars and effects and all that stuff. I just know that I love your guitar sound, and I, and I know we lost uh, Dick Dale uh, just recently, a week or so ago, and is it safe to assume that he was, would be an influence in your playing? Uh, yeah, I'm, it's not that I ever listened to him directly. Well, where I grew up in California... And and in, in the neighborhood where there was, you know, the older teenagers were surfers. There was actually one surfer, and and also I saw my first skateboard from him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I kind of, uh, you know, heard it. And and what I love about him is is the, um, you know, the the reverb he uses because I use I use echo unit, though slightly different than reverb technically. And then also the the Middle Eastern scales, which I you know have used uh, put into Dick Kennedy stuff. Yeah, not as obvious. Dick Dale. Yeah, yeah. It's it's cool. I just like that raw rock and roll sound. That's you know, it's it's not it's not a it's not a computer. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, just to, just to be totally honest with you, I mean, I've been listening to Dead Kennedys and been a fan for so long, but I haven't really sat down and listened to the Dead Kennedys until yesterday. Like it's been a while, and, and then yesterday I'm like, okay. I, I'm interviewing Ray. I literally spent the day cleaning my house yesterday, and I listened to my my entire LP collection, which is pretty much all of the studio albums. And I was just reminded of how amazing and and really quite timeless it is. I mean, you guys, nobody and nobody has done it since to the same degree that you did. Oh but, well, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I mean, basically everybody in the band was very talented. Uh, you know, Klaus D.H. and and Biafra, and we all listened to music. We all kind of slight listened to slightly different music, mm -hmm. which I think really helped because then we added. But we were all we all wanted to do the best we can. Yeah, and you know, and, and looking back on it, we said, "Oh wow, that's actually is really good." <laughs> you know, I mean, we worked hard on. It. There's a craftsmanship thing, and I mean, one of the things I say is like. Like Holiday in Cambodia actually has a classic songwriting structure, right? You know, similar, similar to Motown or the Beatles, except it's punk rock. <laughs> and it comes down. To, I think one of the reasons we're we're around now is, uh, is because of the songwriting. Yes, that Klaus D. H. Uh, Biafra and I did, and the combination of, of us together, the collective, came up with some something really two and two equals five. <laughs> I like that. Okay, yeah, I do want to talk about a little. Th I'm not gonna. We don't need to talk about the Jello thing. We've all, yeah, we've heard it all to death and and all that stuff. But I do, if you don't mind, touch a little bit on just sort of the the general around that area in the sense that 
you know, the Dead Kennedys are certainly not the first or the last band to replace a member or replace a lead singer. It's happened many, many times over the over the years. I mean, black, you know, punk wise, Black Flag, Misfits, uh, bands like that, the Stranglers. Then, of course, you know, you can even go Journey and Black Sabbath and stuff. And although, you know, I guess there's fans that maybe have been upset here and there, it doesn't seem like uh, it seems like the vitriol is really saved for, the, for for you guys. And I think that's very unfair, first of all. It feels like the Dead Kennedys get really attacked a lot, uh, you know, by punk rockers. And I think maybe in some ways that's a compliment. It means that people are so passionate about your band. But does that bother you? And do you, do you, do you get tired of yeah, having I mean, to... I, I think, it, I, I, number one, I, most of the stuff we hear are not their own ideas. They got it from a press release right. from like 10 or 15 years ago. And, and number two... Um, I mean, there's people that have gone on the on social media and say Biafra wrote all the songs, mm-hmm. and that's just not true. You know, it, it was a collective, and like you, you know, you mentioned the Misfits. You know, uh, you know, Danzig went on to some great solo career. Uh, Morrissey went on to a great solo career. Uh, Lou Reed was in the Velvet Underground, went on to a big solo career. Of course, and it just it just demonstrates that ours was a songwriting collective. It's 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 People like to go on the internet and be angry, and and but the, what they're really doing is just trying to feel self righteous about themselves. Absolutely, I, I, and it's and it's really it's to me it's like I mean one of the one of the things you know I'll, I'll say to people well people don't confront us personally that much but it's like you know real dead Kennedy fans uh, believe in the music you mm-hmm. know fake fans believe in being a troll. That's very well put, and and, uh, and that's absolutely true. And that's the kind of world we're living in now, where people can hide behind a keyboard and say what they want when they would never actually say that kind of stuff to your face. And um, at the risk of sounding like you know pandering or whatever, it's it's just the truth. You know, listening just again to all to those records yesterday freshly, it, it occurred to me as much as I love Jello Biafra and his voice and his singing. What draws me to the Dead Kennedys back uh, over and over again is the music. It's the songwriting. It's the songs. It's it's the it's the guitar. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. I mean that's what. I mean, you know, all rock and roll bands. You know, all of the good bands have an image. Uh, you know, it's almost like opera. You know, they have they have an image and costumes and music. Uh, you know, like like the Beatles. You know, had the when they started the suits and mm-hmm. the, and the, and, the, and the, the humor and then the songs and you know, Dead Kennedys. We had. You know, we had we have our our political viewpoint of think for yourself, and we had you know outfits, and, and we also had the music. But what what separate? I mean, there's millions of people that can play punk guitar, and there's millions of people, you know, that can play punk drums. But it's the songwriting separate that that makes the bands that last. You know, like the Ramones and the Clash. It's the songwriting. They they all have you know Clash has very similar attitudes that we do. Um, and there's probably 10,000 bands that have similar attitude that Clash and Dead Kennedys do. Mm-hmm. But it's the songwriting. It's it's music, ultimately. Exactly. Ultimately. People take it too seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's, like I say, I mean, we still have, we still feel strongly on the, you know, get people to think for themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and the problem, like you mentioned, with social media and stuff, it's now it's just all these, you know, these big, huge tech corporations, Google and Facebook, all they want is your click so they can sell an ad. That's right. And then that's, that's so they, they don't want you to think they just want you to see the ad. Yeah. And and I think that's why the dialogue can, cannot really have a deep uh, 
sociological or political discussion on the internet. I tend to agree with that. Yeah. I mean, it, it just turns into my tribe and your tribe. And... Yeah. And then it becomes that in the world uh, around us too. You know, that's really what's happening. There's this d- division, you know, a lot, especially in the States right now, but also everywhere, really. I mean, they, they're, these big tech corporations have kind of sold the lie, you know, that, oh, the internet's going to bring democracy and openness. And, 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 and when you play the reality, it's 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 making things more right wing yeah. and more closed. And I, you know, people that still think the internet is going to set you free is it's there's still too many of them. But you know, it's 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 the internet is fine. It's the economics of it that click money, click money. And and the the thing is is that negative, you know, makes five times as more money as positive. Right. So, you know, so you go, you know, like um, Hillary's doing pedophiles out of a pizza parlor, you know, that gets more clicks than like, you know, Hillary was secretary of state for a while and did this treaty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's boring. It doesn't sell. Now, until people, I mean, until people realize that the economics, the the Internet is, is not free. And the other, the other problem, people are getting free stuff in exchange for these corporations to eavesdrop on your life. Yeah. Anytime you're on your phone or on the computer, they're eavesdropping and you, you really don't know how much they're eavesdropping. And then they're using that information. They either, you know, they sell it to the highest bidder and they use it themselves to manipulate your behavior to keep themselves, you know, keep themselves giant corporations basically. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 Google has the most lobbyists in Washington DC now because they want to protect their profits. You know, it comes down to really what the dead Kennedys have been saying since day one. It's just like money, you know, money taints everything and ruins everything and greed and, and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, well, that, but the problem is, is that this, the way the Internet is structured now is, 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 a, is a huge shift that, that we're falling into. You know, it's as big as, big as cultural event as, say, the invention of the printing press 400 years ago. Mm. Except this is not, but the the printing press did, you know, distribute knowledge to other people because people wrote books and, and they had a copyright so they could get paid to write the books. And what's happening now is, is just, you know, like, like, like Google Maps, the reason they put that out there is so they could track your location, you know, and like the Pokemon thing is like, same thing, track your location, then Pokemon sells, oh, can we have one of those prizes in your our store? And so they put one of the prizes, somebody pays Pokemon money, and they put a prize in the store, and it's 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 behavior modification and manipulation. Yeah, man. And, 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 the, and the results, I mean, look, look at, look at, look at there's a right-wing government in, in the UK, there's a right-wing government in Israel, there's a right-wing government in Brazil, there's a, a right-wing government in the United States. Yeah. And all those, it's because the right wing is like, we're going to manipulate people to get to get our power and and it's and it's really you know the the, the just you know the clicks the clicks the money <laughs> anyway no <I> absolutely <laughs> there's a book out yeah called the age of surveillance capitalism that came out in january okay uh, by a harvard business professor and, and that's uh really surveillance capitalism is what it is and and it, it, it it's not going to produce any good for society it's going to Produce billionaires, but it's not, it's, it's not going to help society. I'm writing that down. The age of surveillance capitalism? 
Yeah. Um, my God, I can't remember the author's name. It's a female. She has an odd name. Okay. I should I should learn that before I do interviews. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I can look it up. I can look it up she's on the internet. A professor, she's a business professor at Harvard. Okay. And and and, and it's stuff like a lot of my musicians. We've been we've been ripped off by Google and Facebook. They use our music to make money. Mm. You know, they make money, and then whoever you know, some Russian mafia makes money. But the the people that created, we've been seeing it for years. And but problems way bigger than than we even thought. And and this book kind of oh that's. That's it's it's the surveillance capitalism of co- co- eavesdropping on your life and then using that information to manipulate your behavior. That's what the free quote unquote internet run by Google, Facebook, and Amazon is. And the internet does not have to be run that way. Right. It can be changed. You're kind of terrifying me a little bit here, Ray. You should be terrified. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, hey, I'm in the dead Kennedy. What do you expect? Yeah, exactly, right? What do you expect? A fluffy little fun time? Yeah. Um, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm t- actually, I'm, I feel strongly. I'm trying to get more and more, especially people that are journalists, get people aware of this because uh, you've heard of South by Southwest. Of course. Austin. Yes, of course. It just happened, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Keith Burnett was the uh, keynote speaker. Mm-hmm. And actually, I'll, well, uh, if you're interested, and he, he actually... This is his, this was what we was talking about. He actually quotes from the book Age of Surveillance Capitalism. And I'm going like, oh, because I just heard about it like three weeks ago. And then like, oh, people over Nance heard about it too. So I'm trying to s- spread the word that uh, the Internet's got to change. Economics got to change. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's, you know, Internet, some people are like complacent. It's like the Internet's not like the weather. You know, it was created by humans and can be changed by humans. And it's really not nothing to do with the Internet. It just has to do how you regulate businesses. You know, it's, you, people don't realize how big Google and Amazon. I mean, Amazon is one of the biggest corporations in the world, you know, and everybody acts like it's... It's okay. You know, not tracking. You know, so this, anyway, sorry. No, 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 don't be sorry. That I agree <laughs> with everything you're saying, and it's, it, is, it is pretty scary. I mean, do you... Um, I'll, I'll sort of wrap this into another question here. But speaking of the internet, I know that you've been outspoken about streaming as well, right? With like as far as uh, artists being paid fairly for music, and um, do you see that type of thing improving down the road? Do you, do you feel like there's a uh, the same thing? There needs to be regulation. Um, you know, basically, it's 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 not streaming in itself. It's the companies that 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 run them. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's Spotify's way to make money is not through streaming music, but to sell stock on the stock market. Right. That's where they're going to make money. And, and right now I don't think, you know, you know, musicians see a very, very small piece of it because, because of this, there's a loophole in, in the internet law. From, I think it's 78 that it was passed. Um, the DMCA, you know, where they, where they, they're not liable for anything. That happens on the internet. Yeah. For example, you know the big shooting in New Zealand. Yes. That the guy screamed on Facebook. Mm-hmm. You know, Facebook distributed that snuff film. Yeah, and and it's amazing that, that there's no uh, accountability for that, right? There's zero yeah. accountability. They distributed it because they're under the law. They're not considered a distributor. But but you know obviously but the the thing is they did distribute it to millions of people. They did it, not the guy shooting, but they did it. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, and, and and with all the clicks on it, they still made money. 
That's yeah. what people don't realize. They made money. YouTube made money on the clicks that this snuff film, and and that's that's not free speech. That's no. a snuff film. <laughs> no, you're right. There has to be. There has to be. That people misunderstand free speech. It's a right, but it, it's not an unlimited right. The, your right to free speech stops where it violates someone else's right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's people forget that part, like the classic case of yelling fire in a crowded movie theater. You know, you, you causing harm to the whole theater. That's that's where your free speech stops. Exactly. Yeah. That's what the discussion should be about. It's like, where where is the line? It's complicated. Um, a couple more things for you. Are you OK for another minute or two here? Uh, yeah, another minute. OK, we'll make it quick. Um, I do want to ask you about uh, East Bay Ray and the Killer Smiles because I saw that there that there's a release coming out later this year. Is it a, is this new music or is this like a re-release of the the first album? It's a re-release, but it's yeah. going to be remixed. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, and re-promoted because the first time it didn't go anywhere. So pretend like it didn't didn't go out. <laughs> yeah. My 1984, write it out of history. <laughs> 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 and the only other thing I really wanted to kind of ask you about, and this is just a, a, a quick thing, but uh, I saw you posted, I can't remember if it was on your Facebook or on the Dead Kennedys Facebook, it doesn't really matter, but the, you, you're, you were aware of uh, Zippy Pinhead from Vancouver passing away, which was very sad. I, I was surprised to know that you knew him or knew of him. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I did post on my page, and yes, probably post on Dead Kennedys. Yeah, uh, back in the day, we had a very close connection with Vancouver. We played with the bands. I remember one time I stayed with um, Dave Gregg of DOA. Yeah. He's passed away too, but I remember sleeping on a sofa in his house. Wow. You know, back in the day and, and, and like that. And we, and we did shows with them. There's one show I remember with DOA that was really cool um, where there was an artist that, I think it was a benefit for, for some, some, some social change thing, but there's an artist that painted a thing behind our set and the DOA set that was very cool. There's probably a video of it someplace. I'll bet you that artist was a guy that goes by the name of I Brain Eater. Oh boy, I can't remember. <laughs> the mist of the path. But yeah. yeah, but we had a close connection with Zippy and, and uh, DOA and uh, Pointed Sticks. Sure. And, uh, what's the guy that did the Hawaii song? Oh, Art Bergman. Art Bergman? Yeah. 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 And uh, anyway, they yeah, yeah. some some other bands. So yeah, we that's very, very cool. close to Vancouver. Well, that's awesome. Um, Ray, I really do appreciate you so much taking the time to chat with me. I hope maybe that you guys will make it back up this way, if not to uh, my little town of Victoria, then at least to Vancouver, so I can jump on a ferry and come and see you again. Oh, okay. Yeah, we would like to. Uh, yeah, Victoria would be nice. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but the, the, the hardest country to get into to play... Is Canada, yeah. Yes, it's Canada. The immigration is just... Uh, crazy and then they then they then, then they have then they have the tax guy go after you it's very difficult so <laughs> yeah well, we still we still go but but it, it would be nice if it was you know more pleasant for us <laughs> you're not the first person to tell me that actually yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. and it's that's too bad because we're supposed to be so friendly up here yeah well i mean it's i understand you know i don't know they're trying to protect canadian music jobs but it's 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 not like it's not like we're a cover band or a lounge act, you know, we're, we're unique. There's, you know, yeah. like there's nobody, we're not taking jobs from Canadians. <laughs> no, <laughs> exactly. 
you know, Dead Kennedys is, is we're a monopoly. That's right. We're, you, you, we're the only people that do this. <laughs> um, awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. Okay. 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 Have a great day, Ray. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. This has been the Punk Show Podcast. If you'd like to hear more, including kick-ass punk music, go to thezone.fm slash punk. Oh, yeah. And be sure to check out the Punk Show on Facebook and Instagram.